the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the truth of the gospel of that they need a salvation. They think it's just something crazy, just a bunch of yo-yos that are believing all that stuff. You know, but the reality is that the Holy Spirit comes and it says he brings conviction on us that we're able, and listen, when we think of the word conviction, here it doesn't have a good term really, it, you know, it means you're guilty, and guess what, we all, we're all, all are guilty of sin. Whether you believe it or not, you were born guilty because of the sin of Adam and Eve that was passed down through the bloodline. So if you think you did not sin ever in your life, you're fooling yourself. But you're still born in sin and need a, a Savior in your life. And so that's the one thing that it does. It, it, the conviction, the Holy Spirit brings conviction to make a lost person realize that they need to be saved. And what I want you to understand is that the conviction is not God saying, I want to punish you. It's actually God extending his arms to you saying, please accept my salvation so you could have forgiveness of sins. Accept a relationship with me. It's not God trying to punish you. It is God trying to restore a relationship that he's always wanted to have with you. It's God saying, welcome home. Please come home uh, for you can see that. So that was the first two weeks we talked about of the power of the Spirit. And then we got into uh, uh, anointed uh Part one and two, which is empowered by the Spirit, and that's what we began talking about. And I want to—I don't want to review too much, but uh, it, these little footnotes should still be on your page. Uh, what we began talking about is when the day of Pentecost came, that we realized that number eight—that must be me. I don't know if it's my, my antenna or my other wire. There we go. Amen. Let's try that. All right, so we understand that on the day of Pentecost, what we're reading on Acts chapter 2 is the very first thing about God's New Testament church is that it's going to be supernatural power. The Bible says, and, and Zechariah says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And God's spirit brings that supernatural power that could, that could save what is lost, that he could save a, a man that cannot save himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we, we've seen that, and uh, I don't want to get uh, caught up reading all this, but he talked about that suddenly from heaven, a flames of fire came, and we see that that's not natural, that wasn't in this natural world, that God's new church is going to work under the power of his Holy Spirit. Then we talked about that God uses your voice, the voice of believers, and that's when they began speaking in tongues, and they were proclaiming the works of God, that God has every single person in his New Testament church there to proclaim the works of God, to share the gospel, and we're going to kind of get back a, a little bit into this more today, but that's, you know, you aren't saved, and, and this is what I want to say. People have no problem sharing a secret with somebody else, especially if it's good gossip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how many times you hear this? I'm not supposed to tell anybody, but <laughs> have you ever heard someone tell you that I'm not supposed to tell somebody but can you promise look I'm going to tell you but don't tell nobody else you know that's about the 14th person that it went down to that I'm telling you but don't tell nobody else and you whoo I got to tell somebody else but don't tell somebody else we can't we can it's human nature can't help but 
share the things that you hear, the good, little good, bad, and the ugly. But you know the best news in the world? And this is where I want you to see that it's spiritual. For we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. The best news in the world, the salvation of Jesus Christ, most people are scared to death to share that. Think about it. Why? It's a spiritual thing. The enemy does not want you to share that. If you had a cure for cancer, wouldn't you tell somebody? Listen, you know the cure for eternal life. That someone's never going to be separated from Christ their whole life, that they spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. But yet our mouths are closed. It's a spiritual thing. The enemy doesn't want you to share that. We'll share about everything else, but when it comes to sharing the love of God with somebody, and, and we, I talked about that last week, what is the worst thing? If, if Sister Kathy saved, I know that. But if I would come up to her with the gospel message and she would say no, what is the worst thing that happens? It's just, that's it. She just said no. On the other hand, we need to realize that, you know, her balance in eternity weighs on that decision she makes. But she has to make that decision. My job is to present it to her. Your job is to present it to others. That's what God said, and that's what we were talking about, that God uses every believer's voice. So let, let's, let's move on to this. I don't want to get too caught up in here. Uh, again, using everybody's vo different voices, and uh, again, I use different responses when they had uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. He'll put it up there. I don't think it's on your paper. But I, I just want to point this out again. Notice what it says. When, when all these things happened, it says that the people were amazed and perplexed, and some, uh, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine to drink. And we talked about that there was four responses there. Some were amazed. They were awestruck, but it didn't make them a believer. They were just amazed. They were it was a show that went on for them. And then we see those that were perplexed. It was, well, my intellect can't grab hold of this. Well, guess what? Your, your intellect has trouble with your, your phone when it has uh, issues. <laughs> when you have to go, when I, when I have trouble with my car, I go to Crosby's over there so he can work on it because he understands cars more than I do. When we got air conditions trouble, we'll, we'll call Terry Goday. He comes here because he understands air conditions more than we do. When you, go, when you get sick, you go to the doctor who understands your body more than you do, uh, uh, things to do. Whereas uh, we always turn to people in different fields because we, we don't understand everything. We don't comprehend everything. So how foolish is me to say, well, I don't understand everything about God, so God mustn't exist because he don't make sense to me. I don't understand air conditioning, but I sure enjoy the benefits of it. You hear me? I don't need to understand to stand in front of that vent and feel the cool air. See, I don't need to understand everything about God to lift my hands in front of him and have the Holy Spirit blow over me. I may not understand it, but I could live in the benefits of it. So we see that some, some then others were critical. They made fun and said, oh, they got too much to drink. It's all, uh, always criticizing. 
critical spirit. And then it says uh, later on that we're going to read today that 3,000 of them gave their heart to the Lord. But there were four different responses. Not everybody it, it hears the gospel and does, accepts it. And then we talked last week about that God wants to use your gifts. Everybody, God has placed a gift in your life and wants to use you to reach the world. And I said last week I had brought that oyster shell that had really touched my life when something was going chaotic a, a couple of, a year or so ago and things that I didn't know what was going on. And somebody thought they were doing nothing. They paint, it looked like a little child painted an oyster shell and wrote a verse on it. And somebody put it in my flower bed at home. And they probably didn't know why they were doing it. Maybe they were just challenged here, placed one of these theirs, and think they would have no impact in life. And that, that scripture actually was John 13, 7. And I, I was going through a, a rough time trying to figure th uh, things out, and this is what it says. Jesus replied, and this was on that oyster shell I found in my front yard. You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you would understand. And you don't know how much that spoke to me. I don't believe that just so happened to show up there. That was an answer that God gave me through whoever it was that was just placing an oyster shell around. You see, so don't think the little things you do will, doesn't have a major impact in life. I, I think when we get to heaven, you'll realize how many things you've done that help people to the Lord. But then again, on the other side, we may not realize how many things we've done that cause someone to stumble. See, we're going to have to stand before God and give account for the good and the bad things we've done. Amen? So that's where we went with that. But now I want to talk to you about uh, letter D uh, is what we're going to talk about today. Is that, uh, again, this is just continuing reading from uh, Acts chapter 2. Is that one of the things about God's church is it offers life-changing truth to the world. So you can write that in your, in your uh, blanks. It offers life-changing truth to the world. It offers life-changing truth to the world. And this is when Peter was just addressing the crowd after this. And, and notice what he says. And this is what we're going to do. I'm going to quickly share the gospel with you that he shared it through the way he done it. I've got a few other scriptures here also. But notice what it, this, I'll just go to Romans first. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 through 14. This is what Paul says. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now the word gospel simply means good news. He's saying, I'm not ashamed to share the good news. But guess what, I, exactly what I was talking about earlier. Why are we so ashamed to share the good news? I, I'm, I'm going to, I'll run up tomorrow morning and, you know, and, you know, people walk in church today and, oh, you say, LSU won, we're going to share that news. Oh, I don't know what kind of news we'll be sharing on the saints tomorrow. <laughs> might be good, it might be bad. Right? But we don't mind talking about that. But if someone wants to bring up the Lord. Right? Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And notice what it says. Because it is the what? Power of God. Our very first thing, God's New Testament church is going to be a supernatural church. The gospel, the good news is the power of God. 
for the salvation of everyone who believes. First the Jew, then, then the Gentile. And so uh, it goes on to say, uh, verse 17, for in the gospel, notice what it says, a righteousness from who? God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. There is a righteousness that comes from God that man cannot get. That's why he was talking about, that, uh, about salvation when Jesus says, it is impossible with man, but nothing is impossible with God. There is a righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ that you can't get anywhere else because we're all guilty of sin. Think, let, let me just quickly share this. When Adam and Eve was in the garden, and let me read this first. I want you to understand this. <laughs> if you haven't been in our uh, Ephesians class on Wednesday night, and this isn't in the computer, Nathaniel, right now, so you don't have to worry about going uh, looking for it. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, for he chose us, speaking of God, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now, so think about that. Before the creation of the world, man was not even created till God created the earth, right? So before he even created man, he, he already knew and says he, cho he chose us uh, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, when he created Adam and Eve, were they sinners or were they holy? They were holy, blameless. They hadn't sinned. But God had the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden and said, this is the one thing you can't do. The only thing you can't do is eat from this tree. You could eat from any other tree, but not this one. That They didn't listen. They went and eat from the, now listen, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In other words, the tree of knowing what's right and wrong. The tree of knowing what's right, the knowledge of knowing what's right and wrong. And then God had told them that if you eat of that tree, you will become accountable to it now. See, and that, that's where the Old Testament goes. When Adam and Eve sinned, then they're accountable to the law, which God gave the Ten Commandments as just a, a, a little speck of trying to be righteous, to show us. The, the Bible says that the law shows us where we sin. It doesn't, it doesn't make you righteous. It, it's there that we, we know what happens. Again, and we, I use this example. We'll just talk about a couple of the uh, Ten Commandments. Uh, have you ever told a lie? Raise your hand. If you've ever told a lie in your life, the smallest of small lies in your whole life, those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're lying right now, so you're guilty right now. Okay? The Bible says liars cannot go to heaven. If I tell a lie, what am I? A liar. Have you ever taken something that don't belong to you from work, from... Uh, maybe mom said don't eat a cookie till after supper uh, thing and you may have taken it as a kid you may have taken a little candy anybody in here ever got uh, I remember I had to go back I think it was the Ducos over there I had stole some candy you made me go return it over there and <laughs> I'll never forget I was little and it was Ducos there and I took a candy from the checkout have anybody ever taken something in their life see the rest of you that didn't raise your hand you're lying again you see so it just shows, but what, what happens if I 
take something that doesn't belong to me. It makes me a thief. Thieves cannot go to heaven. Anybody in here ever got mad at your parent and maybe said something? Uh, yeah, especially in your teenage years, like when you knew it all and they didn't, they didn't, they were clueless to the world, but you knew it all as a teenager. Were you always honorable to them? Did you ever speak anything of dishonor to them? We all did. One of the Ten Commandments, honor thy mother and father. So if, if at one time you, you said something, spoke a dishonor toward them, guess what? You broke the law. And the Bible says if, you, if you're guilty of breaking one, you're guilty of breaking them all. It's just to show us how much we all fall short of the glory of God. And then it even goes as far as to say if, a, if someone says they're without sin, that you're actually calling God a liar. For he who says he is without sin calls him to be a liar. That's a big charge. So we need to understand that the right, a righteousness to be set right is only through God. There's nothing we could do in the natural. We can't, we, we've all messed up. And we all fall short of God's righteousness. But look what verse, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 21, 221 says, But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, that is our, our, the life-changing message that, that Peter was telling everyone in the town. We've all, we've all fall short. We ne we're never going to me measure up. But there's life-changing truth here. And so let's, let's look what he begins to say here in Acts chapter 2.22. And, and I, I wrote these in for you because I didn't want you to have to uh, fill out all these things. But number one thing we see is that Jesus was who he said he was. And uh, Peter says this in Acts uh, 2.22. He says, men of Israel, listen to me. This is on the day of Pentecost when he's getting up there and addressing the crowd where they had the, those that were amazed, perplexed, uh, criticizing, and then eventually those that accepted the Lord. He's addressing them with the gospel. He's addressing them with life-changing truth, which we are supposed to do uh, to this world. He says, men of Israel, listen to me. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God, and accredited means an official approval to act. To act, official approval. He was he was sent by God to to do to you by miracles, wonders, signs which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. So what what happened? In other words, he's beginning to tell them Jesus was proclaiming that he was the Son of God, but nobody believed him. He said, "What well, Peter? When Peter? Uh, Jesus said to Peter, who do you say I am?'" And, Jesus, uh, Peter said, you are the son of God, the, uh, the son of the most living high. And Peter, uh, Jesus told Peter, he says, blessed are you, Peter, for this hasn't been revealed to you by man, but by the, my father, that you see this. And so Jesus, uh, Peter's beginning to lay out Jesus was who he said he was. Listen, he was crucified and put in a tomb where they put guards, sealed the tomb. And guess what? Three days later, he's up. And he's walked around for 40 days, and many of you seen him walking around for 40 days after. He was who he says he was. Then it goes on the second thing, the next verse. Peter tells him, is, is again, just to wrap it up, is that he died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose 
and foreknowledge. And you, uh, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him on the cross. Now notice what it says, that he was handed over to you. They didn't take him. Jesus says, I lay down my spirit. They can't take it from me. The, dead can't, the grave can't keep me in there. God's spirit's going to raise me from the dead. You hear me? Uh, oh, you know, we give the devil too much credit sometimes. You know, when Satan was kicked out of heaven, it wasn't a, you know, when he decided to try and raise himself ab above the Lord and all these things, it wasn't much of a fight up there. You know, people want to think like, oh, they were wrestling in a big MMA fight and in the 10th round that, that God won. Like God said, poof, like a mosquito, get out of here. It's not competition. It's not even close. But notice what it says there, and, and this is what I want to say back to Ephesians. He says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Again, why would he have to, be, why would we have to, before man even was created, why would we have to be adopted? That means brought back into the family if we were not separated. And it says, through his son, Jesus Christ. God always knew man would fail. God always knew that man would fall short. But God said, you know what? I love this creation. Why he loves us so much, I don't know. Right? There's some days I don't even like myself. I've seen you laugh, Brother Allen. That's not good. <laughs> but he loves us so much that before he... He even created man. He knew that he'd have to send a son to die on the cross to redeem us, that we could be adopted back as his sons. And he still does. Then he goes on in the next verse to say this. Acts 2.24, he's talking about that God raised him back to life. First, he, say, he begins telling him Jesus is who he said he was. He died on the cross. He says, but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death. Notice that. It wasn't a close call. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. See, it wasn't much of a fight. It was already settled before it happened. It was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And then uh, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, verse 31 through 32. And in this verse is actually he's, uh, Peter's quoting from David from Psalms uh, chapter 16, that, uh, from verse 25 through 28. But it says this, seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of that fact. And verse 32 is actually Peter speaking back that God has raised Jesus and he's saying, and you're all witnesses to it. You've seen it. Then number four, because he has raised to life, this gives us gladness and hope. Acts 2, 26 through 27 says this, therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices my body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, 
nor will you let your Holy One see decay. And because of that, we have a hope in him that it brings joy. In his. That's the gospel, the good news that because Christ died for my sins and was resurrected back to life, that if I accept him as my Lord and Savior, that I can have eternal life with my Father in heaven. That's the good news of the gospel that, that so many times people just can't share with anyone else. And this is what I want you to understand. Why? Because it's spiritual. The enemy brings a spirit upon you and shuts your mouth. Right? Anybody in here get nervous if you, if you go to share the gospel? Raise your hand. Be true. There again, the rest of us are lies. Now, <laughs> or, you're not trying to, or you're not spreading the gospel. Yeah? We need to understand that the enemy wants to stop you. But you got the greatest news of all to share with the world. And God is relying on you to share that with everyone else. He wants to use your gifts. He wants to use your voice to share that. Then we see in verse 5, and this is just the gospel Peter went through, wrapped up in, in a few verses. He says, verse, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 33, exalted uh, to the right hand of God. This is when he sent his Holy Spirit, which just happened on the day of Pentecost. He says, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And what he was talking about is what y'all in amazement at, that you're here, you've seen the, the, the fire from heaven and all these things. He says, what you see now is what he's always spoke about. And, he's, and then we'll go up to number six. Is that we, again, we have heard the, the great message and it says this, we must repent and be baptized. Because notice what happened. Peter's talking to that crowd of amazed people People who are confused, people who are criticizing, and notice what happened. Notice what they say in verse 36. Therefore, he says, let all is Israel be uh, assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37 says, when the people heard this, now this is what I want you to understand, they were cut to their heart. Guess what happened? The Holy Spirit came and began to bring conviction in their life, that they were cut to the heart, that they realized their eyes were open and they began to see how much they needed a Savior. He says they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, and this is what they said, brothers, what shall we do? In other words, they know they got to do something. Now, they've heard this message for the first time in their life, and their eyes are open. What must we do? <coughs> and Peter says in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, pr the promise is for you. Now, listen to this for you and for your children, but then he also throws in, and for all who are far off. He's talking about you today. For all whom the Lord our God will call. So he says, what do you need to do? You need to repent. You have to realize that you fall short. You repent. What is repent? Repent means to turn from. Uh, 
let's read this next verse and then I'll explain this a little better. He says, uh, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. says, therefore, go and make disciples, which are believers, of all nations. Baptizing them, there's a second thing Jesus says to do. Baptizing them, in other words, he says, repent and be baptized. That in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then verse 20 says, and teaching them. The third thing you do is to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Notice the third thing is to teach them to obey. Because they don't know. We don't know. When you, be, when you become born again, you are starting a spiritual effort. You don't know what you don't know. And he says that's what you spend the rest of your life doing is learning how to serve the Lord, learning how to live for him. He says, but repent and be baptized. What repent is? Repent means to turn away from. Repent is not simply saying sorry. Let, let me put it this way. If I would constantly steal from stores, hold them up, and get money, and I'd get caught, and the cop would go, hey, we got you, got you on surveillance, oh, I'm sorry. And he lets me go. Then I go back next week stealing again. And this goes on and on and on. I never stop, but I'm always saying, oh, I'm sorry. But, you know, officer, this is how I feed my family. I start making an excuse why I do it. Wrong is wrong. Right? In, in our uh, class, uh, evangelism class, that's what we talk about is, you know, God is a righteous judge. Right? And if you're going to stand before God guilty, you can't say, oh, I'm sorry. I probably won't do it again. You see, a, an unrighteous judge is ready to take a bribe. But God is a righteous judge, and a righteous judge is going to pass down the judgment. So if you're guilty, you're going to get the punishment, if he is a righteous judge, which he is. So as I stand before him, again, I can't, repentance is not continue living the way you're living if it's wrong. Repentance means to turn away from. That's why he says, make a believer, baptizing them, then teaching them to what? Obey everything I command you. So the righteous judge is, if I stand before him and I'm not saved, I haven't given my heart to the Lord, guess what? He, God has no choice of where you're going to spend eternity. He doesn't desire to put you there. He's given every opportunity, including every person in this building today, every person watching online right now. God is reaching out to you right now again to say, repent and come to me. So that your sins could be forgiven. And Jesus pays the price. Number seven, he begins dealing with it that we must live differently from the world. And notice what he goes on to say, with many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And notice what it says, those who accept it, 
Notice it didn't say everyone except them. You, you see that? It says those who accepted. In other words, there were many that didn't accept it. They, they, they didn't even believe it, he says. But he pleaded with them. He says, save yourselves from this cor corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So we see that they, they did have 3,000 believers, but not everybody believed. And notice what it says, and this is where we're going to start getting into next week. Verse 42, that once they, once they accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. See, their life changed. They all of a sudden started devoting themselves to the fellowship of believers and learning God's word and repenting in their life and bringing change in their life, allowing God to bring change in your life. And I, I, I truly believe, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I'm not good enough, you know, right now. There's things I got to straighten out in my life before I come to the Lord. No, you can't straighten them out. Look what you've accomplished so far. Your life is in a mess because you've been in control of it. See, Jesus says, make believers, baptize them, then learn. You know why? It's because his spirit's going to work in you. And we'll use that scripture the other day, that God's spirit lives in you to have you act and will according to his pleasure. That God's saying your, your willpower isn't good enough. That you need to be saved and have his Holy Spirit in you that's going to help you overcome these things in the world. You can't do it on your own. Everything you accomplish on your own is where you got to in life before you accepted the Lord as Savior. That's what, that's what you can accomplish. But God could change it all around. God could change it all around. If you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior today, I want to give you that opportunity. But be, before we say that prayer, I want, uh, can I get four guys, ladies, to come hand one of these to each person in this building today? Who wants to help there? Every person, get one. I just want one right here. And what this is, is a track, a gospel track. First thing I want you to do, and you don't have to do this right now, but is read it before you give it to anyone. But I want you to read this thing front and back, and then I want you to pray about who God would want you to give this to. You hear me? Read it and begin to pray who God will want you to give that to. And what it basically says is what we just kind of went over there is realizing in short, short things is that God loves me. He sent his son to die for me. I have sinned and Jesus Christ has died for me. Now I need to live, decide to live for God. And there's a little prayer that they could pray. There and on the other side, it has the scripture. So all you want to do is fold it up where one side says, God loves me. Uh, let me see if I can get this folded up right. Back and forth there. Like that. And then what I want you to do is pray about where God would have you to place this. Listen, if you're too shy to hand it to a person and say, you know, well, I just want to share this with you. I'm okay with that. I want you to overcome that one day. But you know what? Maybe you have, they have a locker at work and you could just slip it in there. Maybe you could just leave it on their desk at work 
or wherever it is. Listen, today we began talking about that you have a message that the world needs to hear. You have a message that the world needs to hear. And God is relying on you to share that message with the world. And this is the God, listen, this is the gospel message as plain as it could be. That God loves me. I fall short. I messed up. But God loved me so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And that if I accept that forgiveness, invite him into my life, I decide to live for him. That I can have eternal salvation with the Lord. And if I don't do that, I need to realize that, you know what? Hell is not a party. The devil wants you to make you think that hell's a rock and roll party and all you're going to be doing, no. The Bible even talks about Satan himself is going to be tortured. Thrown into the lake of fire. It talks about that your body's going to be in flame, but it won't be consumed. That's what you're going to be feeling for eternity. I don't want you to do that. Listen, and, and please don't say this prayer that we're going to pray in a, in a few minutes because you just don't want to. This is all about establishing a relationship with God. It's not trying to find fireproof insurance. It's not, a, it's not I'm going to say this prayer because I don't want to get a punishment. And it's not about saying a prayer because I want to gain treasures in heaven. It's about saying a prayer that I want to establish a relationship with my heavenly father, that that's what he wants. So let's stand to our feet. I just ask that each and every one of you to say this simple prayer with me and say it from your heart. That's where it counts. I could give lip service to many things and not really mean what I say. But just say this from your heart. And I remember the first time I said this prayer, I was simply at a point that I said, God, if this is real, I want it. I wasn't even sure if this was real. But from that, that day, my life has changed. Because it is real. Just say it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I realize that I fall short in many areas of my life. But I believe that you love me so much that you desire to have a relationship with me. And you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And I believe that he rose again and is seated at your right hand side. I invite Christ into my heart to be my Lord and my Savior from this day forward. Teach me to walk in your ways from here on in. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We got a baby dedication in about 10 minutes, so uh, 